0: Hey, pals. Welcome to Episode 7 of Making Friends with Mark McGark. Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Mark McGark. This is the Making Friends podcast where we get to know our favorite Twitter personalities and who they are as a person behind the handle. Today's guest is Michael, who is at home underscore halfway. And he is quite a talented and incredible individual. And he's also very friendly and naturally funny, uh, nice and kind. And we just uh, have a, a nice conversation together. Today's podcast is brought to you by My Neighbor's Incredibly Loud Music, which I'm sure you can hear right now. It is both the sponsor and the co host to the podcast. You hear that? How can you not hear that? Oh boy. Uh, If you have a chance, please subscribe or leave a comment. Uh, All those things make a difference. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Here you go. Have fun. drinking anything right now Maybe I have my coffee right here
1: no I don't but I do have napkins
0: you can't drink napkins
1: I mean technically Um, figuratively you can
0: like you could metaphorically figuratively uh, you're gonna have I don't know let's get off napkins Ah, I thought this was a napkin podcast. No, not today. Maybe in the future when I find my voice more. I'll understand that it was always napkins all along.
1: Yeah, I would hope so. I would hope so.
0: So you're in Chicago. How long have you been in Chicago? Uh, 26 years. 26 years. That's basically... 26 years. Most of your life. That's like eight, nine-tenths of your life, right? Yeah, I moved here when I was eight. What, with your parents? Or just sort of, like, get a satchel and a handkerchief and hitchhike yeah, down I the road to Chicago?
1: on my own. I, I had my own startup when I was in third grade and, uh, you know, just kind <laughs> of, uh, you know, lived it up kind of, like, big in real life.
0: Yeah, liquefying yeah. napkins for all the other third graders. It was huge. I did.
1: I, I invented napkins in 1991. Oh, my God, like you invented the... napkins? Yeah, until then I was just wiping everything on my skin, and everybody else was in the world too, so I was like, we need to fix this, this is, this is silly. Like the 80s cleanliness crisis where everyone was wiping their mouths on their arms and legs and feet, it was just too much.
0: Yeah, the 80s was a crazy time, nobody had any napkins, we didn't even know a nap. we didn't have a concept for napkins. No. So, I mean, that, we that did, invention we didn't know. revolutionized everything yeah
1: the fact that you're cleaning yourself with part of a tree you know was not a concept that people understood so
0: yeah before then you just had to get up on the branch and rub your cheek against it if you got a little pudding on your cheek
1: oh that's if you're creative i mean there were so many people that would just wipe their things you know wipe their faces on like other people or like their kids or you know like their their <laughs> feet like you're it was kidding. a whole it was a whole problem. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you wipe the butter off of your lips using your baby. Yeah. And the oh, lips. yeah. Right.
1: That's why baby skin is so soft because it was buttered.
0: Oh, because yeah. Oh, everything's coming together. You're a smart yeah, guy,
1: Michael. I'm. I'm pretty smart.
0: Where did you come from before Chicago? Uh, Detroit. Well, oh, that's not terribly far. No. So it
1: was like a six-hour move.
0: What? Uh. What? Like. Re- Honestly, what what caused the move was uh, was it you, did you come with your mom?
1: My parents, my dad uh, got a new job. Your dad got a at new job
0: at the time. His brother Chicago. was
1: living here, so he was like working in Chicago during the week and then coming home to Detroit on the weekends, and it was killing him. So he did that for like a year, and then we just moved.
0: And then you moved, yeah. What did you think? Was it like an upheaval of your life? Uh, my parents kind moved of. around when I was little and it was like I would get some friends and then I would lose my friends because we would loo- we would move and I just like wouldn't have that anchor anymore. So I think even today I sort of have, I wouldn't call it a sense of abandonment, but sort of like a, a reticence to attach to other people because we moved around a little bit and I was just like I, I couldn't attach too strongly to friends.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I moved around a, a lot. Like, I, we'd go to different schools every year, but it was always within the Detroit area. But then it really changed after second grade when I moved. So we, we moved then, and uh, I've pretty much been here ever since, though.
0: Yeah. Are you, like, in it's the mostly, city proper, or are you in the suburb of Chicago?
1: No, I'm in the city proper. I've been down here about eight years, and then another three before that, when I was in college.
0: Nice. I had a girlfriend who went to the University of Chicago. And she would, uh, I I didn't know her when she went there, I met her afterwards, and she would always tell me that the worst part of Chicago was when it was late at night, and she would be waiting for a train, and she said that the subway stations could be like elevated subway stations, like above ground, and it would be like the dead of winter, like negative 30 degrees, and you're waiting there for a train, you have no idea when it's going to come, and the wind is blowing, And you know, you're freezing, you you don't know if if you're going to get out of it alive, she said it was awful.
1: Uh, I mean, I knew I'd live, but outside of that, yeah, I, uh, I've had many nights like that, especially in college when I didn't have a car or money or anything. But yeah, uh, they have uh, trackers now, so you can see where the next train is coming, but the fact that you you do wait a lot outside of rush hour is pretty common. Especially yeah, that time probably, of night. especially at night. L, yeah, I don't like it at night. I always, uh, I always sit by the conductor. <laughs> and, I'm a, you know, and I'm not a big guy, and I would know, still feel safer that
0: way. Oh, because of the dangers. Yeah, when, when she was talking to me, I didn't even consider that. I didn't even consider the threat of other people who could come and cause violence to you. I just thought of, damn, that sounds really cold.
1: Yeah, it is pretty cold. The winters get pretty harsh. But yeah, there's always the murder factor, too, so you got to consider that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Chicago is a pretty murdery town, isn't it?
1: But that's not because of Chicago. It's because Indiana has really loose gun laws, so we can just go over to Indiana, which is like five miles away from where I'm sitting, and go get a gun and come back. That's really a lot of what it comes from.
0: Is that what you do on a daily basis, you personally? You go take an Uber to Indiana, pick up a couple guns, come back, feel good about yourself?
1: Feel strong? No, no, I don't. I'm afraid of everything. No, I wouldn't do that.
0: No, of course you wouldn't. That sucks, though. These these different state laws that are so easy to bypass and just cause danger to everyone. Oh, yeah, well, don't get me started. True.
1: Chicago's gun laws are really strict. It's just you can just go across the border, no problem. Yeah. Get oh. fireworks, all sorts of shit.
0: Um, yeah, sometimes you tweet about politics. It seems like you have pretty firm opinions about politics. Although, I can't really say that anymore because things are just out of control now. Like, things are right. kind of in a place where they've always sort of teetered on, but never really sort of, like, fell over into, into this area. And now we're like, oh, shit, we are in the muck now.
1: Right, yeah, politics, uh, you know, I feel like it's just part of uh, part of life now. I mean, you, I can't go an hour without thinking about something going on in Washington. You know, it's just, I feel like if you're not... You know, I understand if you're scared, but on the other hand, I feel like we, we everybody has to have a certain level of, uh, of uh, kind of uh, enlightenment on knowing exactly what, you know, what's going on to some degree at least and figure out who it is that's, you know, causing what and, uh, you know, the heinous activity of leadership every day. You know, I just feel like if ignoring that is like, you know, ignoring, you know, women's rights or ignoring civil rights or anything like that because it's really it's all affected again so i really feel like ignoring that is just kind of ignoring you know a lot of what we stand for
0: yeah i mean if you're ignoring that you're pretty much ignoring the whole of the population of the united states or the majority of it and uh... oh yeah
1: definitely 99 percent of it i'd say like you know it's it's affecting everyone he's you know, there's threats to all sorts of folks. There's threats to the uh, LGBTQ community, to women, to minorities, to, the, you know, the poor, the middle class. Like, really, everybody that's not what they look like and what they earn, you know? Like, it's something that we've never seen before. And the Comey shit this week, like, it's scary. Like, the fact that nobody's even keep trying to keep them in check. It's amazing. I, did, I didn't realize that a reality-starving president could be so untouchable.
0: Yeah, me neither. I kind of thought there would be a little more balance going on. And hopefully there's bit. some... I think the what's so shocking about this Comey thing is we sort of, I think, wanted to believe that there was a little more balance going on, checks and balances going on behind the scenes that we just weren't privy to, you know, as the right. average citizen of the country. But now we see this, and we're like, okay, there's obviously nothing.
1: Right, yeah. I, I think it's because everybody's in someone's pocket, you know? That's what they're... They all have their hands dirty, so, you know, who's going to check who with that happening?
0: Yeah, I have trouble staying vigilant now. Like, when it first happened, when he was first elected, it was a very acute threat. So, it was like, I was motivated, I was ready to do things about it, I was making calls, I was going to marches and protests. But now, the threat is less acute. Um, even though daily things are happening, it just sort of like, uh, it, I don't know, I, I can't say it feels less aggressive. It, it, feels just like a continuing aggression going on but sort of like i think it's what everyone warned us against is you can't let this become normal you have to constantly tell yourself this is not normal otherwise you'll forget how uh, how present the threat truly is but anyway i've been having yeah. a lot of trouble like i'm not calling my congressman very often anymore or uh making the phone i'm not doing a whole lot about it i'm just reading the news uh, a couple of times a day and uh trying to tune out the rest
1: yeah it's hard you know it's also hard because we all work so hard we're all so busy we have our own lives and then we use what spare time we have to fight and you know it it does get exhausting and I think it's probably stopping some people from fighting back maybe but you just you can't stop like there's so much illegal shit happening you know there's so much of a threat to our environment to our citizens to our future like it's just you can't let it go it's exhausting but you can't let it go
0: yeah you're right we have to keep fighting do you have any like tips or tricks to keep yourself motivated or is it just sort of like uh this again and you just sort of like muscle up and go (laughs) after it
1: you know i I, it all a lot of it depends on the news cycle like i'll try to take breaks and then something like coming will happen and i'm like well jesus now i'm you know furious and freaked out again like i'm trying to you know you try to take uh, some. Some days I try to take and not think about it too much. Stick most of the jokes, or you know, be focused just on work and other life stuff. But yeah. there's a lot of times where there's just so much happening, like that I just feel like a jerk for just ignoring it, and it's upsetting me. <laughs> we too all much personally. do.
0: We all feel right. like jerks. But what can we do? Dude. You're right. We have to live our own lives. Sometimes that's the best thing that we can do is live our own lives and uh, try to make the people around us happy. Sometimes I wonder yeah. about um, you specifically, because I, I know that you take politics very seriously, and I also know that you have this platform that a lot of other people don't have, because you do have quite a number of followers on Twitter, and you are vocal about um, bringing attention to issues. Do you ever feel like that that's like a duty of yours, or is that just something that comes naturally to you, and you're like, this is what I'm thinking, I'm gonna put it out there, or do you, like in your head, you think, uh, if I don't say this, then maybe like thousands of people might not even know what's happening or Uh, or that they can do something about it or that they should think about it from this perspective
1: no i mean i know there's other people kind of saying what i'm saying sometimes i do feel redundant but it's kind of just what's ever in my head whatever i'm tweeting is what i'm thinking at that moment which is why you'll see me talk about pence one minute and then i'll be making you know a Dick joke the next minute, and then I'll <laughs> make a cartoon joke, and then I'll go back to politics, and then I'll you know share someone's book or whatever. I'm just everywhere. Whatever yeah. it is that yeah, is everywhere. on my head,
0: redundancy I'm just like, well, is important. Yeah, You're know, right, seeing the same true. thing again and again, r- reminds you what a threat it can be
1: yeah' Especially that's when we're true. talking about really politics. and I think that 's how people like believed all this shit in the first place, believed that Trump was anyone 's answer because they kept hearing that he would be yeah. that he would do all these things, so if you hear it enough, you start to believe it and uh, <laughs> yeah i think there's there 's just a point where you just need to to speak out i don 't feel like I have a uh, like I need to do it. I just really feel the, the passion to do it. I mean, I grew my following with jokes, and then all of a sudden i 'm doing all this stuff and i 'm like well we 'll see who stays and <laughs> some people didn 't I found out that some Trump fans did enjoy my jokes, but uh I, you know, screw them. Like really, I don't want to. I don't want to hold anything against Trump supporters because I feel like a lot of them were just fooled. But uh, at the same time, you know, I can't just be silent about it if it's something I really care about. So yeah. I decided to take the pressure off myself to just like, not box myself in and just do jokes or be silly or something and just, just say whatever the hell's on my mind. Like I've done that the last year, year and a half, where I just haven't worried about if I'm funny or not. Just. Yeah, if I'm funny that day, funny that day. If I'm not, I'm not. Yeah, exactly.
0: You often are very funny, and sometimes you do kind of, like, bounce back and forth between very serious ones and very funny ones, which I think is actually great for your audience because, you know, they don't feel like they're so tramped down in anything. Like, they, they understand that there's still lightness there, and there's just still, like, you can come here, you can get your jokes, you can get your political dish, you can get what you need. Um... But, yeah, yeah, like just saying what's on your mind. And I think it's important for people to know that people like you, who are very talented and very funny on the internet, yeah. um, also are capable of real and deep thought um, and care about the issues.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think there's more comfort in, in, in that knowing that a lot of like comics are doing kind of similar things where they've just kind of dropped whatever act they have that they were promoting on social media and be like, well, something bigger is happening. And so I kind of feel like I'm, I felt comfortable kind of changing things up the last couple of years by uh by kind of doing that as well not because of him but it it's like a you know a comfort in numbers
0: yeah for sure um but i think you know it's also good to tune out every once in a while and just be silly which you are very talented at um no, thanks you're, I try. yeah well, you're well. a silly dude i was looking at some of your tweets and um i was noticing that some of your best ones some of your best jokes have like a very light touch but they're still wildly funny, Um, and also, getting off of politics, some of your tweets deal with real mental health issues, like real struggles that people go through, and I imagine, myself included, that we do appreciate the chance to laugh at some of these things that are just a constant struggle keeping us down mentally. Um,
1: Yeah. So, you know, sometimes I share that, too, and I've gotten some shit in the past for talking about my mental health like thinking that I'm using it for promotion, but in reality, it's just something else that's on my mind, and I would see a lot of people struggling on Twitter, and I'm like, well, I feel like I'm a good company. I can talk about how messed up I am, and, you know, people would understand, and I wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't sound ridiculous, but... Uh, I'm so
0: glad you do because when things like that happen me personally I take comfort in knowing that I'm not the only one it can feel so isolating and so alone when you're going through these mental struggles especially if the mental uh, challenges that you're facing have to do with exactly those kinds of things, of fe- feeling like I, I, I don't belong with other people or feeling like I, I'm not good enough to uh, to do whatever I'm going to do, to see that other people are suffering from that, especially, you know, people that we admire and idolize. I think that that's uh, that's, that's, um, that's great therapy already in itself.
1: Well, oh, thanks. Yeah, it's been one of the harder things I've done on there, but I I just... You know, I just don't worry about it anymore. And I just kind of put it out there that, you know, if I'm feeling something that day, I usually say it, you know. Yeah, uh, not keep for anything doing other it, please. just getting it out there, yeah.
0: Please keep doing it because it helps. Uh, even okay. if, if it's just for me, and I'm sure it's not. I'm sure there are thousands of other people reading it that feel good about it. Um, but even if it's just for me, I, I want to let you know that it helps me. And sometimes it helps me get through my day. And what, another thing that it does is because I, I do write a lot, is uh, it puts me in a state to be like, oh, I can, I can write about this too. Like, I can take control of this issue by writing a stupid, silly joke about it or uh, an insightful joke about it or whatever, just sort of like flipping it so it doesn't have control over me, but I'm able to govern it. So, uh, thanks. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. Thanks. That's,
1: thank that's a good idea. Well, thanks.
0: Well, yeah, I'm happy to help. <laughs> and by the way, you are, you, are a, you are solidly a Michael. You hate the name Mike.
1: I've never gone by it, no.
0: What's going on there?
1: You know, everybody shortens their damn name. It annoyed me as a kid. So I'm like, I'm Michael, period. That's my name. Call me Call me my name. And, you know, it just drives me crazy sometimes where I'll introduce myself and I'll say, hi, I'm Michael. And they'll say, nice to meet you, Mike. And I'm going, did you fucking hear me? Like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, it, you know, do you, it's Do it's you do like the that, same
0: thing for other people? Like, if you re- meet somebody and he's like, my name is Rick. You're like, oh, nice to meet you, Richard. Like, do you stretch out the full name? Like, we're not doing shortenings here, buddy.
1: No, <laughs> no, that's equally obnoxious. Uh, you know, if they want to go by Rick, they can go by Rick. But if they call themselves Richard, I'm not going to respond and call them Rick or Dick or Ricky or Dicky or Churd or whatever they. want I'm going to call them. <laughs> the defaults the full name unless they pointed it out. Churd
0: from now on. I Chur- never thought of chured. that
1: Churd, do it. Churd Branson, you know <laughs> that famous billionaire.
0: Uh, isn't that the Death Wish actor, Churd Branson?
1: Uh, what is it? Oh, I'm thinking of the the billionaire guy with the blonde hair, the Australian guy. Isn't that Richard Branson? Oh yeah, that's
0: Richard Branson. I'm thinking of Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson, <laughs> who we should not but call I- Chuck or Chewy or Chichi. He's a Charles. He's dead. We
1: can we can call him whatever he wants. He's dead. Uh, Michael. Sebron.
0: Let's not go there, Michael.
1: Sebron? <laughs> um, no.
0: Sebron? Charles Bronson. Sebron
1: c it sounds like LeBron, like that's cool.
0: Yeah, he's a, he's a LeBron James of having a death wish. c yeah, he is.
1: He's... Charles Bronson. And he got his wish.
0: <laughs> is that what's on his tombstone?
1: <laughs> he got his wish? <laughs> if I find out where he's buried and I'm in that town, I'll write a sign. <laughs>
0: Please do. Attach a post-it note <laughs> to that tombstone.
1: With like a thumbs up and like a smiley face.
0: Um, so I think of you as a Chicago person And I don't know much about Chicago But I've been, in, I've been there a couple of times At least once, maybe not a couple
1: <laughs> But I was there for <laughs> okay. at least a
0: few days And I, I liked it, it was summertime when I went And it was beautiful and captivating And mesmerizing It was a great city um, But I don't know that much about it Especially in other seasons of the year so, But I do like this director called Joe Swanberg Do you know that guy? He's like a ship- I do
1: not know that name.
0: Oh, okay. He's like an independent director. He does lots of... Most of his movies take place in Chicago. He's got a show on Netflix about um, people in love. I forget the name of it. Um, but then he's also got a couple of movies. I think he's got Happy Christmas is one of them. He uses... Uh, what's that? What's her name? Uh, he uses that actress. She was in Up in the Air... Uh, Anna Kendrick Kendrick? yeah he uses Anna Kendrick a lot so he's got like a repertoire of actors that he uses and everything that he does mostly everything that he does is in Chicago so I I see those and I'm like yeah Chicago looks so romantic it looks cool
1: yeah only half the time they're not shooting here but yeah
0: (laughs) well they do winter scenes too and that's when I'm like Chicago looks cold as hell (laughs) It's like people are riding their bikes and drinking cold beers in the middle of winter. What's wrong with you guys?
1: Well, I mean, why would you live in a city that half the year you can't, you know, succumb to to some degree and get used to it, you know? Like, I feel like if we just, you know, took weather, you know, as as sensitively as someone in, like, California or something, then we'd be living a nightmare. Like, we have to, if it's above 40 and it's, you know, between February and November, like, that's, that's still summer to us. You know, like, <laughs> if, if, if it doesn't hurt to go outside, it feels pretty enjoyable.
0: <laughs> it's not physically painful to go outside.
1: Which there have been many times, yeah. Especially that year that we had the thunder snow and the snow apocalypse and the other snow marketing slang that we had like six, seven years ago where like Lakeshore Drive had just miles of cars abandoned and, you know, you couldn't go outside. There were people that couldn't leave their homes for a week. Like, you know, we've had some extremities. But this past winter we've had no snow. It's just it had like one week of below zero and the rest of it was fine. Like, it's really not that bad.
0: I don't know. That doesn't sound great. But you have a, a really positive attitude about it. Is that, uh, is that typical of I like Chicagoans? Or are they like New York New Yorkers who will complain about the weather no matter what it is?
1: Uh, you know, we, I don't hear a lot of complaints. I have a friend who isn't happy unless it's like 85. So I don't know how he lives here. Um, but outside of that, there's most people I know just kind of suck it up, really. I mean... Obviously, it's hard to be more social in the winter. It's hard to get people out to do things. And, but I'm always up for it because I get stir crazy. And winter is really bad for that. Uh, yeah, totally. But, yeah, you know, you just have to live with it to a degree. Like, it's, you, you moved to Chicago. You chose to live here. And if you don't kind of figure out how to handle the, you know, the crazy seasons like what are you doing you know it's just you're just gonna make yourself miserable like i see people like it's 60 here today and i saw people in like rain jackets and like trench coats i'm like what are you doing like this is this (laughs) is like boiling for us you know this is the warmest it's been in like nine months like this
0: is like lobster shorts weather tank tops
1: (laughs) yeah i mean there's people i saw a guy running this morning in my neighborhood who wore nothing but shorts and shoes like that's pretty common for this weather
0: for 60 degrees that's bold in my imagination but you know, I guess it's like you I mean, say, you just accept it. it. You, you accept it as part of the um, landscape that you live in. It's going to be cold sometimes, or most of the time, because it's the middle of May right now, and it's 60 degrees does not sound that warm.
1: It's perfect for me. I don't, I don't like it above 65. Above oh, really? that is when I... This starts to become my hibernation season, but people keep dragging me out for barbecues and games and stuff. Like, but no, I'm out I'm there, sweaty. and I'm just sweating to death, and I'm like, I need to go home. <laughs> yeah.
0: What is your perfect weather? What is your most ideal weather?
1: I like a mix of like between 45 and 65, sunny, and have it rain like once a week.
0: Yeah? And you, you're going yeah. outside in that weather? You're doing barbecues? You're riding your skateboard?
1: Uh, yeah, totally. I'm 34, so I skateboard every day. <laughs> uh, so that's a big one. You're riding your uh, kick scooter? Oh, yeah, my kick, my Segway, uh, you know, my uh, my motor scooter, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, uh, I huff around, yeah.
0: Are you active? Um, are you an active guy? Do you like to do outdoor things?
1: Uh, some. Not very many. My wife's very outdoorsy, so I get dragged to hike and occasionally camp. But I, uh, I'm on a kickball team, so I do that.
0: Oh, that's fun. How long have you been on a kickball team?
1: Uh, i played one game so far. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> just started.
0: You but just I'm going started. through August. Oh, nice. What brought that on?
1: Uh, my friend Linda is one of those people who is always doing something, can't sit down, and uh, she plays a kickball league with some of her friends and invited my wife and I to play. So we're doing that, and then we're going to play uh, again in July and August. Like The seasons are like eight weeks each, so we're going to do two of them. Oh, so. cool. And then they're doing like a tubing trip, that whole group, so I might do that in August as well.
0: Oh, that'll be fun too. On the kickball team, do, yeah. you, have to, um, do you have to play against your wife? No, we're on the same team. Okay, same team Zs. Your wife seems really cool. I've seen pictures of her, and you've talked about her a little bit. What's her name again? Tara. Tara, yeah, she seems awesome. Where did you guys meet? She is
1: awesome. Uh, Match.com, 10 years ago.
0: Nice. I've met plenty of long-term relationships on the interwebs
1: that's how it went and it was it was 2007 so it was still before it was like completely common it wasn't unheard of but it wasn't like the norm yet yeah so people are still like I felt a little funny oh, doing it but I, uh the only computers. reason I did it
0: <laughs> what <laughs> no that's the whisperings of other people don't worry about it
1: oh yeah you're using the interwebs you're gonna get killed uh I did it because I wasn't meeting a lot of new people. I was living in back at home with my parents, helping them out, and I just wasn't meeting anyone. And Match.com had like a 75% off, so it was like $5 a month for like three months. And so I was like, well, sure. So I did that, and my best friend, who was the best man at my wedding, was like, you shouldn't do Match.com. It's just a hookup site. You're not going to find anything. It's misery. But I was like, it's $5. So I signed yeah. up. I made my account. Don't remember a thing I said on it. And. Uh, the next morning, I woke up, and I had two winks. You know, it's kind of like the Facebook pokes. Oh, yeah, I remember the like winks. A wink from somebody? Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, when I when you're I a got little got too two. shy
0: to say anything to somebody, but it was sort of like a little internet flirty gesture is the wink.
1: Yeah, like a little, you know, you know, gesture from across the room, you know, one of those, mm-hmm. uh, one of those it's little things. It's as if you were in a things. crowded
0: room, you caught each other's attention, <laughs> and what do you see? A wink. A wink yes, across exactly. the room.
1: Which... But this one's Which always works in real life. Um, <laughs> yeah. Never so fails. I had two <laughs> never fails. Never fails. It's completely foolproof. Okay, you had uh, two winks. I had two. I had one, the, ne- the morning after I woke up, I had two winks. One was from a 47-year-old divorcee in my town. And one was from... And I was 24 at the time. <laughs> oh, come And one was from Terra. And so I responded to Terra, not the divorcee. And the rest is history. Wow. Uh,
0: that's great. So that happened very quickly. Was she, uh, One day. Was she in Chicago, or did you guys have to do like a long-distance relationship for a little while, or what?
1: We had to do like an hour, hour and a half relationship. She was in the way south suburbs, and I was in the way north suburbs at the time. So she um, she had to come up and get me. It was my family was going through a lot, and I didn't have a car at the time, so I didn't have a way to get to her other than like going, taking the train from work downtown or something. So when we first started dating, she would always have to drive up and get me, and she. Uh, a common thing among South Side Chicago folks is that they really uh, don't travel very far. For some reason, they just don't. So she didn't know much of anything of the city and certainly nothing north of it until you get to, like, Gurney Mills or Great America, like, which is almost in Wisconsin. And uh, so she didn't really have any idea of, like, really how to get to me. It was brand-new territory for her, but she'd have to, like... Keep me every week, and I felt bad. And then I found that that when we, that I found out like months later that when we met, she was unemployed. So that we, it was like a lot of gas money to get up oh, there, and I didn't wow. know, and I didn't have a lot of money. But we figured it out, and so yeah. I would start to like stay with her after work. Like I'd spend weekends at her apartment, and after a few months, and then we moved in together a few months after that. And
0: I'd love I'd to hear go- how this whole thing progressed.
1: Yeah, it was, you know, it, it was cool because we had a lot of struggles early on with, like, outside, not with us. We were always great, but, like, the things going on around us were just chaotic and insane. Yeah, so with you taking of, like, care of your family and with...
0: her being unemployed for a little while, and I'm sure plenty of other things that you don't have to go into.
1: A lot of other things. So, like, we um, so we met shortly after, you know, shortly when all that was going on, and, like, the first year, year and a half, was when probably 90% of our uh, bumps had happened. So, you know, kind of developing relationship around all that madness, you know, it really kind of solidified us pretty early on, you know.
0: Yeah, in the same way that a child gets sick for, like, its entire childhood, and just, like, every other day the kid is coming down with some new illness. But then, after a few years, their immune system is built up, they're no longer vulnerable to these things anymore because they've worked through it, they've been through the struggle. And they're stronger because of it. And that's sort of how a relationship can go, especially one that starts in such a chaotic way at first too.
1: Yeah, exactly. We were kind of the black sheep of our families. We kinda had it more together than the others and you know, the others are going through a lot of hard times and there was so many so many insane things happening. And so we were we kinda found you know, kinda bonded on the fact that both of us are going through some similar things but also some very far apart things. And we each were like the ones kind of holding our families together partially at the time. So it was, uh, so there was understanding to go along with it, you know, like it wasn't like the other person's problems was so alien that we couldn't understand or cope.
0: And you could lean on each other when you you probably felt like there weren't a lot of other people you could lean on at that time. Yeah,
1: that's very true.
0: (laughs) So what was, uh, tell me a little bit about your first date. And then, uh, if you have an engagement story, tell me about that. And, uh, tell me a little bit about, about your wedding.
1: Oh, it's all very cute. Are you sure?
0: Oh, please. Please make my heart <laughs> burst with happiness.
1: I'll make it pitter-patter real good.
0: Okay, it's ready.
1: All right. Well, let's see. Our first date, she had to come and pick me up. Uh, it was the first full-time paycheck I ever had, so at least I had money. Uh, so I had that. Um, my mom was freaking out. I was fine but, until my mom started freaking out and getting nervous for me. Because she knew I met her on Match, and she knew I'd never met her before, and so my mom was hoping things would go well, and she's the most neurotic person in the world, so she uh, was Your mom, super, not, super not nervous for me. Your mom is the
0: most neurotic person. No, my mom. Yeah.
1: My wife is not neurotic at all. Uh, she's weird, but she's not neurotic. So I, uh, <laughs> my mom is the most neurotic. So she came and got me. I had a little bit of nerves thanks to my mom, but it was fine. Um, my mom recommended a restaurant for us to go to that she would heard about from a client of hers. Uh, she works at, like, a high-end boutique shop. And a client of hers uh, recommended this place to us. I forget the name. So we went. Um, we were trying to find that restaurant. For about 45 minutes back and forth, I couldn't find it. I thought oh, I no. saw the name, but I'm like, this, this can't be the place. This is not... This isn't what my mom would never recommend. Something like this. So I was like, this can't be the place. When we did drive by it, so we drove by it like <laughs> what ten was times. Wrong with that? Tara, well, you'll we'll all get there. Okay. Uh, so Tara drove by the place probably 15 times, and I was freaking out. And Tara didn't know where she was because she'd never been to this part of the state before. And uh, I was like, I just look like an ass right now. Like I'm just like I can't find my own restaurant to take her to, and it was just nuts. So. We, I end up being like, you know what, this has to be it. Maybe it looks nicer inside. It was like a diner in a strip mall that was under construction, and we go in there, and everybody was either a biker or, like, 107 years old. <laughs> Holy and crap. It was like a, yeah, it kind of just looked like a worn-down Denny's. Uh, it just was not uh, conducive to any sort of uh, attraction. Yeah, so, that doesn't uh, sound
0: romantic in the least.
1: No, I think we were in there five seconds, and I was like, "Oh shit, this can't be it. Let's go." And, uh, <sighs> and Tara was a little confused. She, you know, isn't she doesn't need too much too fancy, but I felt ridiculous taking her into what was probably one of the ugliest restaurants I've ever seen in my life. And uh, so I found out later when I asked my mom that like her client just I guess likes diners and didn't tell her that part. So anyway, uh, Wait, so I went down did, the street. Didn't your
0: mom specify that this was a very important date for her handsome son? To her she client, probably she did she let her know that?
1: Yeah, her client was probably insane. So that helped. Uh, <laughs> so I did know of a really high end Greek restaurant like down the street that my um, had that my former college roommate used to work at. And so I went there. Okay. And we had a lovely time there. And it was uh, in Deerfield, Illinois. So that's where we went. Uh and the rest of that was the rest of that date was great. Had dinner, uh See, like, we went back to my place to watch Major League, because that's what you do on first dates. Oh, my God, and, uh, what a funny
0: movie. I, I love her already. She has a great sense of humor.
1: She has an amazing sense of humor. Uh, it's one of the big things with us. So uh, so we watched Major League and stayed up most of the night. And uh, she's someone who gets tired around, like, 10 o'clock, so she stayed up with me till like, 4 on our first date, so that was cool.
0: Yeah, um, and for our listeners, Major League is not that long of a movie, so... I'm imagining that maybe you didn't watch the movie all night. I
1: had her take notes, Mark.
0: <laughs> pause it. Write, this, write down what Charlie Sheen... Write it down. We're going to pause it until you get the whole paragraph down. Then we'll restart it. Right. Then we'll go back. When it gets to that line, you're going to recite it from memory. Be ready. This is going to take all night.
1: Write the script, and then we'll rehearse it and act it out. <laughs> That's I'm, how it went.
0: Yeah, and you were the Wesley Snipes character.
1: I was, and I was also Lou Brown, the manager, because that's my favorite impression that I can do that nobody knows.
0: I don't know it. Can you do it?
1: The, do you remember the manager from Major League? The mustache. I don't
0: remember him. I haven't seen it in like twelve to twenty years. Oh, it's on
1: TBS like twice a week. Uh, let's see. So it's the manager for Major League, and he's got some notable quotes in the film. Uh, he says that the Wesley Knives' character, who was Millie, Millie, uh, Willie Mays Hayes. He said, uh, you may run like Hayes, but you hit like shit. Nice. And uh, <laughs> when, Doran, when Roger Doran was acting out, he'd say, "Doran, get in my office right now. Uh, you know, he just kind of had that, that smoker's voice to him. Yeah. Very distinguished like voice that James Bannon had. Smoked down a, a full
0: cigar in one breath before he would say any line.
1: That's what it always sounded like.
0: Yeah, that's great. That was a James? fun impression. That's, that's uh, yeah. I, uh, that's not an impression you hear very often, but that's a good one.
1: No, I could do Lou Brown of the Cleveland Indians. That is not a voice that yeah. That most whenever I do it, people are like, "What are you? What is that?" <laughs> like, Did don't you just worry make about that it. up.
0: That can't possibly be from anything.
1: It's my right. real voice, you ass.
0: <laughs> so um, <laughs> okay. So that was your first date. Uh, do you have any cute engagement stories or marriage stories?
1: Yes. Uh, let's see. My The engagement was kind of a biggie. There is an actress and singer named Alicia Witt. Uh, most people know her from Sopranos and from, uh, shit, what's that horror movie she was in? Uh, her and, like, a bunch of other teenagers in the woods, and they get murdered. I forget what it's called. I was blanking the name. I'm
0: looking at But a, you've seen her. Is it Sybil? have seen her. <laughs> no. Is it
1: uh, Alicia I... Witt?
0: Yeah, it's not coming up. I don't see any horror movie. I see Sybil, Two Weeks' Notice, Justified, and that uh, that Colin Farrell movie where he was in a phone booth. Phone booth? Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, look at like the late '90s, 2000.
0: Let me look up Alicia Witt horror movie.
1: She was like 19 at the time.
0: Da, 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 da. Come on, what do it's you pretty... have for me, Google? It's pretty famous. That's not coming up, Michael. We'll uh, we'll circle back and figure it out. Ah, anyway, what does we'll Alicia things. Witt possibly have to do with your marriage? Did you divorce Alicia Witt so you could marry Tara?
1: Thanks for telling the story for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, she uh, she had she writes really nice, good like piano singer songwriter type music, and mm-hmm. she was coming to a really nice venue near where we lived, and so I was going to. Uh, take Tara to that show and then propose after on the uh the Lake Michigan beaches uh there's like a really nice path there where Northwestern is and it's really beautiful and so I was going to do that but then I found out that the next like a couple days before that like that whole week it was just gonna like rainstorm and so uh so I emailed Alicia Witt and I was like and I had emailed Alicia Witt beforehand to be like hey you know just so you know I'm coming to your show uh I would you know I'm gonna to propose to my wife after so you know if you can if there's anything you can do and after I she after the weather was found out she's like well you know what if I uh, what if I dedicate my last song of the night to you guys then you can propose at the show and uh, I thought that was great like the show was like intimate there was like only a couple hundred people and like they're all at like candlelit tables and it's like yeah. you know nice dim setting the music was set. really pretty yeah very scenic and so she played the song Taken uh, for us And uh, after that, she stood up and she said, we have someone in the audience that has something to say. And then I got down on my knee and freaked her out and uh, proposed right then and there. She immediately said yes. And then instead of staying there and having our backs padded all night, for some reason, we just frantically ran out and decided (laughs) to go downtown to the signature room where no one would care that we just got uh, engaged. And uh, she called her mom. And I called my best friend, or one of my best friends. and wasn't too excited but you know that's that's dudes my am, am i right and wow. uh so yeah so, so you, that's how it we went that was uh memorial day six years ago
0: that's amazing my heart was pitter pattering until you said the thing where you ran out then it stopped pitter pattering
1: yeah then we were just like so like like you know so kind of so light that it's so lightheaded after having that experience that uh we just kind of like instinctively like just ran out and she wanted to make her phone calls when she called her mom to tell her her mom's first question was are you pregnant so that was fun (laughs) that is
0: fun (laughs) you must have been a bundle of nerves leading up to that because you went through all the work you even contacted alicia witt to let her know what's going to happen so it's not like you could back out at the last minute if you changed your mind not that you would of course you wouldn't but i mean that's one of the key factors of anxiety is feeling locked into feeling like you have to do something so you must- no, it
1: was just leading up to the you know that i had to do it that i had this enormous secret i was hiding all night we went to dinner beforehand i had the ring in the box in my pocket i was hoping that she wouldn't like walk on that side and feel it <laughs> yeah so i had to really kind of avoid that and what was even more frantic was that i was gonna pick up the ring that afternoon and i had the jeweler off you know figured out it was like a you know an old business family run really you know nice little boutique jewelry store i go in there everything was god-awful ugly Ugh. and uh and everything was gold. Tara hates gold. And I'm like, this, this everything here is just disgusting. Like, these all feel like engagement rings from 1978.
0: <laughs> yeah. so, Disco just, era all, engagement rings.
1: They were all terribly outdated. And uh, so I freaked out. And it was like 2 a.m. on a Saturday. I was supposed to pick Tara up like a half hour away. She was getting her nails and toes done. And uh, she waited for me for like three hours Uh, While I was running around to different stores trying to find the ring. Oh, you must have felt terrible
0: keeping her waiting.
1: I did. I was just telling her that I was sick and, you know, to wait for me to pick her up. And apparently I was sick for, you know, for uh, three hours. Yeah. And so she was pretty mad at the time, but I was like, well, this will work out.
0: Yeah, you you knew you had this thing that was going to magically solve any little tiny problems that might have been going on that day.
1: Right. She might have been irritated, but I was like, this will pay off. This will pay off. Don't worry. But I, I ran around to like five different stores because it was a Saturday and the stores don't stay open. You know, stores like that don't stay open. You can't get a ring at 8 o'clock on a Saturday unless you go downtown. And so that's it's what I had to do. And so I have a question uh, after, for
0: you. When you proposed, did you use the voice from Major League?
1: I didn't have a chance otherwise. I had to. <laughs> Like, that's the, that's the voice we, I use intimately that excites her. So I had to be like, well, I have, to, I have to seduce her as much as possible. So I was like, darling, will you marry me? And she was like, yes, yes, of course. So, you know, I had to use the voice for that.
0: I'm so glad I had to worked seduce. Out. Yep. I, th- I think the movie that you were referring to, could it possibly be... Oh, shit, I lost it. It was just here. Could it possibly be... I'm hoping it comes back. Urban Legend. That's the one. Urban Legend, starring Urban. Alicia Witt, yes. seems to be Le- in compliance with Michael as he proposes to Tara. Yes. What yes. was she like? Did she uh, Did she follow up with you, Alicia Witt, after you proposed and be like, "That was amazing." We said hi
1: to her after the show. when people were patting our backs and stuff, and she was gave us a hug. We took a picture with her. She was excited for us, and then we've seen her a couple times since. And you know, we always say hi, and you know, she asks how we are and all that. So she remembers us quite well. She she tweeted it, I think, and uh, and uh, the venue took a picture saying it was like their first engagement at their at their venue. So that was big news. Aww. So yeah, that. so it was cool. That's yeah, cool. she follows me on Twitter, so she knows who I am still. And, that's cool
0: and uh you have a lot of uh, strong friendships too don't you don't you like have like a, a core group of dudes that you hang out with uh dudes and gals yeah dudes and gals forgive me dudes and gals did they populate your wedding did they all come
1: oh yeah our, our wedding was a, an enormous hit uh due to our friends and how fun they are yeah i'm very great i'm very lucky that online and offline i have a lot of folks so i, I have a good support group uh Offline uh, so as well as online, but yeah, for the wedding it was uh, it was terrific like it was it was a blast, like everybody talks about it. People were like dr- like relatives were dropping their kids off at the hotel and then coming back to party for a bit like it was really it was something we, we did the whole wedding ourselves, and nobody else had any input, so it was all on us, even though we weren 't making much. We still made like a five thousand dollar wedding happen, and
0: uh, nice. I made
1: the music, everybody loved the music, the food was delicious uh, it was it was a blast.
0: Are you saying you DJ'd your own wedding?
1: I did. I used my iPod. I made a playlist.
0: Okay, so you weren't on the turntables and inside, like, keeping them going and then just, like, running off to dance with your wife for three seconds at a time while <laughs> the records were spinning and they were coming to a stop. I'm like, I gotta go back and go to the DJ table. That, wasn't that was happy.
1: tempting. That was tempting, but I went for the iPod. <laughs>
0: cool. Good idea. Yeah, a lot of people will. Um, will overdo it at their wedding. Like, do you really need to have four DJs spinning tonight? Do you really need to have, like, a disco ball that shoots lasers and candy onto the dance floor? It oh,
1: seems God. a bit no, much. No, we went to one... Right after we got married, I think right before or right after we got married, uh, other college friends of hers got married and the uh, the bride was, like, mega into Disney. And so the, the wedding was Disney-themed and they were, like, a Disney characters around and there was like a candy table and it was just it felt like <laughs> if a seven year old was getting married. It <laughs> was very much
0: like. like was like it
1: very much not like that.
0: It sounds like uh, when uh, when little girls talk about their dream wedding when they're only like seven or eight, and it's all like imaginary to them and abstract, and they just uh, think of like uh, all those romantic tropes that they could use, and it's like, okay, we're gonna make our wedding plan now at age seven, and whatever happens, we're gonna stick with this because this is so important. And then like they actually did stick with it, and they're like, and Belle is going to be there, and The Little Mermaid is going to be there. goofy even Fievel from I don't think he's even a Disney character but he's going to be there so yeah, yeah
1: sure why not throw in Fievel
0: I think you can be an adult about it and have a really fun celebratory marriage that's the way I think of it is just like a big celebration where are like we're in love come hang out which is yeah, like my that's favorite how it was. We were it.
1: so busy dancing and partying that neither of us really had anything to drink. Tara was worried that she'd spill something on her dress, and I just, like, didn't even have the time. You know, you can't walk past anybody because everybody knows you. So, you yeah. know, you, I, I can't make the route to the bar. So Everybody wants I just a piece of you. That was the most I'd ever danced in my life. I'll never dance like that again.
0: Wedding <laughs> <laughs> dancing is so fun, though, because you can really lose your inhibitions because you're with all I your really... friends. It's not like you're trying to impress somebody.
1: That's true. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how I figured. I just kind of rolled with it after like a half hour.
0: That's great. And I, I've seen pictures, you've shared pictures from your wedding day, and your, your wife looked gorgeous, and you looked handsome. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear it was a fun time.
1: It was a super fun time. A friend of mine was the wedding photographer, another friend was the videographer, so we had uh, my friend Sarah played the wedding music. She played Final Fantasy songs on the flute while Tara was walking, so that was cool. And, uh, <laughs> and she marched the
0: to the altar, that's what she played?
1: Uh, she played the love songs from Final Fantasy she didn't play the fight <laughs> music so that, you know, that set the tone a little better That's but yeah, cool. we got married at Tara house which is a, a log cabin on like a couple acres of land on like an wow. apple orchard so, yeah, it was pretty cool
0: Um, do you and your wife and many of your friends share a lot of the, a lot of common interests? Like you mentioned video games, like Final Fantasy. I know you're a huge Metallica fan and you're like really into music, even other than Metallica. But I know that's like a big anchor for you. You mentioned Major League. You guys, uh, you guys always bond over this kind of stuff?
1: Actually, not always. No, uh, a lot of my friends are into like anime and comics and, and uh, superheroes and stuff like that. And yeah. but some of some of them anyway. And I, I don't really care about that stuff. So I I'm more into comedy, more into baseball uh, than they are. I have a couple of friends that are really into baseball, not many. Uh, and I have, I have friends that are into music, but not always mine. But I can usually I can easily take a couple friends about or something.
0: Baseball.
1: Yeah, yeah. So a few of my friends care about baseball. Not not most, but a few.
0: So your dream day would be to see Metallica play at Wrigley Field, I imagine.
1: Yeah, followed by, you know, maybe the opening act would be, you know, like uh, Craig Ferguson or Stephen Wright. So there you go. (laughs) That
0: sounds awesome.
1: There was was actually a, a time where Metallica played on Craig Ferguson, and that was fantastic. I think they had a whole week with them, actually. Yeah, like, right before Craig went off the air. He had Metallica on on his show for the week, and I was like, my favorite band on my favorite comic show. This is cool. All they need are, like, the Cubs to show up, and we're good.
0: Yeah, that's good. Uh, Congratulations to the Cubs winning the World Series.
1: Yeah, that was fun for a week.
0: (laughs) My my girlfriend's whole family is from Cleveland. Um, They don't really care about baseball, but they were saying that Cleveland itself was a little upset about the outcome of that game. However... A few months before, the Cleveland Cavaliers had won the NBA Finals, so you know what? You, you both get to have something. That's my opinion. Let Chicago yeah. have the baseball. Let Cleveland have uh, the basketball. That's true.
1: But now Cleveland's got the longest uh, stretch of not, ha- not having won a World Series.
0: Okay, well, their time will come. Your time came, time and come. you are allowed to celebrate.
1: Yes, which I did for a while. The next week, Trump got elected, so that kind of, you know, yeah, went really forward 100 up. steps back. Yeah, I remember
0: when, that, when they won the World Series, I was like, oh, my God, the Cubs won the World Series? This is unthinkable. And then I was like, oh, shit, what else unthinkable is going to happen? <laughs> and, of course, my head went straight to Trump. And wouldn't yep, you know it? That's uh-huh. what happened.
1: That happened. Yeah, that was a, that was a fun next week. So I, I got, like, five days of celebration for the Cubs.
0: Okay, we're going to get into the Twitter questions in just a second. I just have a couple other things I want to hit on before we do that. Um, the first thing is that you are incredibly generous and nice on Twitter, and you're always helping other people out. Where did this uh, conviction come from to be there for other people and to help them?
1: Uh, I always try to be there for people in my life, so it just kind of transferred into the internet, you know? and. You know, I see Twitter for what it is. There's uh, so many people on there that think it's like uncool to, you know, care about, you know, if if you have success on there, or think it's uncool to like promote other people, and I I think that's nonsense. So you know, I know that there's a lot of people on there. And let's, the you know, the fact of the matter is that people want to be seen, they want to be found, and there's good folks out there that are funny or interesting or intelligent or all of the above. And so I, you know, if I see somebody out there that deserves more of a spotlight, I have you know, I've tricked fifty thousand people into following me so I can <laughs> promote them to those people and say, hey, follow these people instead. They're they're hilarious. They're awesome. You know, they're whatever. So yeah, you know, you it's, just, it's just a case of just like just trying to be good to people, you know? That's really just what I believe and I'm you certainly are, not um, perfect. Yeah, you are incredibly
0: generous. I think that um, you go above and beyond even what what could be expected and I appreciate that. With your help, not only me but uh, some of our friends have uh, been featured in Funny or Die with tweets that you've sort of uh, retweeted and thrown out there so other people can see. Uh, we've been seen by people like Lynn manuel Miranda or Mark Compass or you know like big accounts that have the power to get even more eyes on you and uh, I think a lot of that directly stems from you just saying hey this is a funny person look at this funny thing they did. Uh, so, um, on behalf of me and everyone that you have helped, uh, I, I extend you a sincere thank you. It, uh, you oh, You really sure. do your Just, part.
1: Why, why wouldn't I? It doesn't make any sense not
0: to. And the other thing that I wanted to ask you about is you do have a ton of followers, um, and you have, like, a lot of prestige followers, like, uh, like respected comedians and celebrities. Um, uh, Aparna noncharla, for instance, which is one of my favorite comedians. I think you guys interact on there every once in a while, and you follow each other, and I think that's so cool. What What are some of the people that follow you that you're totally psyched about?
1: Uh, yeah, Aparna's fantastic. She's definitely at the top of that list. Um, George Wallace too. You know, he's a legendary he comedian. Follows he follows me. Yeah, George even Wallace know. does. Ha- Hoppus, Lin Manuel does not, but he's better off. Uh, <laughs> let's see. There's. Um, there's uh um yeah, there's there's a few Richter follows me. He hasn't seen my stuff in a long time, but he still follows me, so that's really cool. Uh let's see. Um, yeah, there's um there's there's a few. Uh Jason Isbo, famous uh famous oh, songwriter.
0: You admire him he's, too, right?
1: He's a genius, yes. Um, and uh Andy Kindler, who's fantastic. Uh yeah, there's yeah there's there's some big folks. Uh, that is
0: truly yeah. amazing. How, did this just come about by chance? Like you would log in one day and see, oh, Andy Kindler is following you, Jason Isbell following you, or um, or, yeah. or did a, a grand event occur, like a lightning strike?
1: <laughs> you know, I had some tweets go viral, so they probably saw those. Uh, you know, I, I I still do okay, but I had a lot that would bounce around the you know the weird Twitter community. So
0: yeah, you and know, you're consistently funny. You're you one of the, like, uh for me, for instance, I'll have maybe a streak of a couple of funny tweets that I'll do, and then I'll have, like, a long stretch of nothing is working, I can't find the joke, I can't figure out what's funny. But you, uh, pretty much every day that I look on your account, there is something that makes me genuinely laugh and fall to pieces.
1: Oh, that's good to know. I think... I think what helps is that I vet a lot. Like If I think it doesn't sound funny, then I, I won't tweet it. I used to just not really care and just post everything that came to my head. And so I used to write 20, 30 jokes a day, and maybe one would be worth reading, sort of. And the other 29 were like, oh, Jesus. Um, so you know, I think I vet a lot more. I'm busier, so I don't tweet as much. So when I do think of something, you know, I do want to write it. But it's just kind of whatever comes in my head. It's just whatever pops in.
0: Cool. When did you realize that you were funny? that you had something funny to say and people would enjoy it but has this always been have you always been like the funny kid at school or is it something that's come later in life
1: later in life for sure yeah I was a pretty uh angsty kid so I wasn't all that funny really until maybe college was when I started having some sort of sense of humor and uh (laughs) you know I think I think I I, may kind of go lie hand in hand with all the tragedies I've had in my life because I feel like you need to develop uh different perspectives of how to look at things, you know, as Mm -hmm. a form of survival and mental health. Yeah, that's that's what a lot of your jokes
0: are, is taking a perspective that you wouldn't think and looking at a very serious thing and finding an angle where it's hilarious.
1: Well, well, thank you. I don't even know if I do that sometimes, but I'm glad I do. It's just, uh, yeah, I just, it's whatever pops into my head and, you know, just trying to find find different ways to look at stuff and make humor out of, you know, strange situations or whatnot, you know. My, My parents always had big senses of humor uh not exactly like mine but both very distinct and so i think that probably helped too but yeah. i really started developing more you know growing up and uh uh you know i always I have made my friends laugh a lot and uh you know before i started twitter they're like oh man you should really do stand-up and i'm like that's laughable so <laughs> you know making those people laugh Making the people in my life laugh, and not just genuinely hokey, like "Oh, he's my buddy, so I feel like I need to laugh at what he's saying." Like yeah. genuinely hearty stuff. I would do at parties and be the center of it, and it felt good. So I was like, "Well, maybe this will translate on Twitter." I don't know. So I gave it a shot, and that was when Twitter comedy was really thriving. Was when I joined. So it was it was a good time. I think the timing of that probably helped me grow too. Uh, a lot of people have helped me along the way, so and that's another reason I give back. But you know, right. but I think the other gener- and other generous people. Uh, of which there were many, and the fact that Comedy Twitter was like really in its heyday then, I think it helped as well.
0: Yeah, you came in at the right time. I mean, I, did. I, I, I feel like you have the talent that no matter what time you came in, you would have been a big splash. Uh, did you ever yeah, try stand up or think about doing it?
1: No. No? Nope. I tried improv twice. I was terrified of never going up there again.
0: Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I've been thinking about improv, but I'm a little scared to try it myself too. Um, it is scary. It's just like, uh, oh, you're up there, you have nothing to go on? You're just there, and you have to make something happen? Are you serious? I don't know if I yeah. can handle that. Plus, uh,
1: I have no memory. I don't know how comedians can memorize, like, six, I don't care how much they train. Like Doing a, a 45, 60-minute set, it just sounds like ridiculous to me. It does like, sound
0: impossible. S- yeah, I don't know yeah, how they do I- it either, except that it is their full-time job. Although, right. I don't know, because a lot of them are also actors and making movies or doing TV shows or doing other projects, so they do need to dedicate certain time just to memorizing.
1: They do, and thinking of good jokes and perfecting them and trying them at clubs and taking yeah. the time to do that, and, like, it's just, yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing. Uh, I don't know how they remember it. I can barely remember anything.
0: Have you ever submitted anything for, like, a late-night show or uh, any kind of writing job like that, like a funny writing job?
1: Just for fun. Uh, I had uh, uh, the head writer of Fallon Follows Me, and he um, had me put in a packet once, and I, I waited way too long as I freaked out, and so nothing came of it. But uh, I submitted it. Uh, just, you know, I, I just did it for fun, really. I had no real interest in actually kind of doing that full time. I really like what I do every day, so it would take a lot for me to leave it. Um, but that, I just did it because just, I, just I was asked, and that was an honor.
0: Yeah, it must have made you feel flattered and talented.
1: Yeah, the fact that he, like, reached out to me and was like, hey, can you commit something? you submit something? And, like, I just have the hardest time when I'm asked to do jokes. Like, I can, right. if it's on my own time and my own capacity, yeah, I, forms you know, organically. I can do stuff. But, yeah. yeah. But if you sit down and tell me to write ten funny headlines on the next day, like, I will give you nothing. I just, <laughs> so I just panicked at that. I, I, it was it was very difficult. Mm.
0: Uh, okay, we're going to get to the Twitter questions now. You ready for some questions from your friends and colleagues on the internet? Oh, God, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Okay, so I, I uh, made a tweet asking for people to ask questions to you. Uh, you did. The first one that I see here is from Ghost Mom, who is at Radtoria. I really don't want to read this one, but it's here. So I'm going to ask you. She, she, she gives a graphic, which is disgusting. And she yeah. says, my question is this, what is Michael's poop number? And then she mm-hmm. has this graphic with type 1 through type 7. Oh, Jesus. Where uh, 1 is, like, very constipated, and that shows what that looks like. And type mm-hmm. 7 is the opposite of the spectrum, where it's inflammation. Shows what that looks like. I don't, I don't enjoy looking at any of these. But then, like, type 4 and 5 are right in the middle, and those are, like, the more normal ones. Anyway, she wants to know what's that poop like, Michael?
1: You know, uh, I've been asked this many times, uh. and I always kind of give the same answer. Um, you know, uh, I poop hearts; they're heart shaped. <laughs> so, because I fall in love with everything I eat, so when it comes out after I've broken it down through my body, it comes out as, as naturally a heart. And so, if when I look down and I'm done, I'll see four or five large brown hearts. And so. Oh, and so that's that's what comes out of it because I love food that much and my body understands that.
0: There you have it, Michael poops hearts, multiple hearts. I do.
1: I'll, yeah, like four to five, on average, four point three.
0: Okay, okay, we're gonna stop this question and we're gonna move on to a different question. This one comes from the Burger King, who is at a burger a day. Your your picture, your profile picture, is a picture of you raising your eyebrow. One single yes. eyebrow. He would like to know, can you raise either eyebrow by itself? Yes. All right, you're in shadows right now. Let me see the left one. Oh, there it goes. And the right one. <laughs> He's doing it. He's doing like a dance between the, the two. Uh, okay, there's both at the same time. Up, down, up, down. It's like one of those... Uh, funiculars, is that what they're called? On the train tracks in the cartoons where one cartoon character would pump one side and the other the other side, and that's how you go down the tracks. That's your eyebrows.
1: Those are my eyebrows, man. It's fun.
0: At Adam Browd would like to know, how are your crops faring?
1: How are my crops faring?
0: Yeah, um, and then I suggested changing that to, how are your craps farting?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, like I said. Uh, like I said, Mark, I, I poop hearts, um, I fart diamonds, so there's that. My crops, uh, I don't have crops, but I do have mint plants in my backyard uh, and oh, a couple ferns. that's one of things.
0: You can just pick a leaf off and eat it.
1: Pretty much. Yeah, they're in mint condition. It's delicious. Oh, so, Michael. Um, you don't have to yeah. say that. Oh no, it's true, though. So My grandfather I liked had those, those
0: uh, when I was a little kid before he died. And we would go to his house in Michigan, and we would see his garden, and he would always pick out little sprigs of spearmint and give to us, and we would eat them.
1: Yes, it's, it's delightful. I can put them in drinks, too. It's, it's a good time.
0: Nice. What's your go-to Thank drink? Thank you, Adam.
1: Uh, it's called a blind Russian. What's it is that? vodka Kahlua Baileys.
0: That sounds good. Uh, it's
1: like, you mostly taste the Baileys, but it's like 20 times stronger than
0: Baileys. That is not something that our friend Adam would ever drink, though.
1: It is not, no. He does like omelets, though.
0: Uh, Mason Piedfert, at Mason with a Pen, she's referencing your pet, who's named Tinga. You can tell us a little bit about her. She says, Michael, why is Tinga always flipping us off? Did we do something to make her angry? I'm sorry, Tinga.
1: Tinga is a sweetheart. She is giving no one the finger. She has... uh, very extended claws for climbing and uh so sometimes in pictures they may be sticking out and that may be how it looks but tinga is a very nice girl and she apologizes for any hurt feelings caused
0: <laughs> our listeners are probably wondering what kind of creature she is that can extend her, her claws maybe thinking a raccoon or a cat or a, a, um, a rabid monkey of some kind but what kind of creature is she
1: she doesn't extend them. They're already extended. I think just the fact that they're long claws is sometimes what makes them look like they're doing a certain thing when they're not. But she's a green iguana.
0: Yeah, and she's darling. She's really cute. She looks she's like she awesome. has a lot of personality.
1: She does. She is sassy, but she will also fall asleep on you. Like, snuggle up. She's
0: really, she's really nice. Is she warm when she falls asleep on you? Because aren't they cold-blooded creatures?
1: They're cold-blooded, yeah. If I have her out too long, she'll get cold. But uh, her cage is very hot and moist nice
0: is but is it like a cat or a dog on your lap where you can feel their warmth or no
1: no not so much because she gets colder over time
0: okay andrew chammings would like to know if you hadn't tweeted thousands of jokes where do you think that creative juice would have gone uh jokes with people in real life or another creative outlet of some sort
1: I don't know. I mean, I've always made jokes with friends, so I guess I'd still be doing that. But uh, I think just my head would go insane. You know? I think another reason I made Twitter was just because there's a lot of shit in my head. And so that's what I do. That's why I don't care. When I tweet, what I tweet, you know, when I... It doesn't matter. Like, it's just stuff I just need to get out. When I take breaks, I used to be, I admit, I've been over dramatic in the past for taking breaks just cuz the twi- the sights actually, you know, kind of hurt me at times as well. And right. so I've been over dramatic about that in the past, I will I will admit it cuz of my anxiety. But uh the reason I come back, uh, you know, when I think I'm going to stop is that there's just so much in my head and I don't I can't I don't know where else to put it. I I have a really hard time writing long form, but I'm still working on it. Uh so, you know, it's just I feel, like, muted. And so I just right. need to get it out somewhere. And so I end up coming back being like, God, I just, I have to purge this shit. Yeah. So, here I, here I am again. Sorry.
0: Yeah, I feel the same way, where I just, you know, I have to get it, I have to have an outlet for this crazy stuff. But I also do wonder if I would be better at writing longer form if I didn't have Twitter to just suck all this stuff from my mind and put it out in front of somebody within seconds. If I were just to take my time a little bit and sort of, like, form a thesis and see where goes if I might have better luck with that um you but know, your answer bleeds yeah. into Andrew's next question it's a follow up question he says if Twitter got sold or went bankrupt or whatever and disappeared tomorrow would your first reaction be relief or sadness
1: ah oh, jeez sadness for friends mm. but uh relief that the stuff that has done to me mentally would be dead
0: uh uh, Tragic Alley at Tragically here says, "I have a question. What does his handle mean? Your handle is at home underscore halfway. What does it mean? And where is home for him? And also, do you know where I live? And can you help me find my mom?"
1: Alley, you live in Des Moines. I <laughs> think your mom's in Utah. Uh, so there's that. Uh, I live on the north side of the city, so I do know where I live. Uh, I have a memory. I have a tattoo of it on my back, in the lower of my back, uh, my address, so that helps. <laughs> Are um, you being so serious? I look in the mirror. No. <laughs> uh, and uh, what was her real question? Oh, my my handle. Um, yeah, what's it mean? I came up with that when I was nineteen. Uh, it was kind of how I thought I was in life, like halfway to like everything that I wanted to achieve, which I was 19 and I was an idiot. I was like 5% done with the things <laughs> I needed to achieve in my life. But yeah. I'm like, I'm at 50. I'm, I'm halfway to everything I could do before I'm dead because who, you know, who cares that I'm 19 and i doing shit yet? And so, uh, that's where I thought I was. And so I just kind of kept it. and it's just been a handle ever since it was my aim name back in the day. It was my, uh, uh, it's... Yeah, just pretty much AIM and Twitter, I think. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what it's from. That's and my old, mean. old, old, old Yahoo email, where I oh, first yeah. started it.
0: Back when everyone had Yahoo emails.
1: In 2002, um, yeah.
0: And uh, Home Halfway sounds a lot more romantic and pleasing to the ear than what your 19-year-old self would have had, which is 1 uh, 20th home one
1: (laughs) twentieth. yeah yeah and well at the time i thought it was half so i wouldn't have thought of one twentieth, but if if had i had i done that it would have been yeah a little aesthetically bizarre
0: yeah so if you if we develop the technology to go back in time and you can meet your younger self as he's making that handle just just let him go with it don't don't tell him about that part that's Um, true i'll be like
1: in 10 years you're gonna make a terrible comedy account and you're (laughs) gonna use that handle for
0: it it's not terrible in the least uh, that's right, it's horrible. Oh, Michael. Uh, our friend Billy at Y-G-R-E-N-E would like to know, how much can your face bench?
1: 180
0: Shazam Jones at Just For A Minute says, what is your go-to karaoke song, and will you please sing a section of it for us on the podcast?
1: Uh, no, but I don't like karaoke very much, though if I were in LA, I would totally ch- uh, karaoke with Jess. She's the best. Uh, the I think the favorite song I ever did karaoke, uh, I once, well a couple times I've gone into uh, like Japanese karaoke rooms where you get your own room with your friends and yeah. it's like real karaoke, not some dumpy bar. And uh, so I did that for the very first time a couple years ago and at 3 a.m. after having a few drinks and almost nobody was there anymore, Uh, I thought it would be fun to sing Fucking Hostile by Pantera. (laughs) So I did that. So I sang a speed thrash metal song at 3 in the morning. Uh, Completely lost my voice in 4 minutes. Yeah, you Uh, must have torn yourself to bits. I did. Uh, If you've heard it, it's one of the most aggressive songs they've ever written. And I I did that. Blew out my voice for the next day. And I would do that again with you and Jess. (laughs)
0: That would be fun. I don't want you to blow out your voice, but... um... Let's let's yeah let's do like a like a soulful ballad of that song. We'll, we'll 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 bring it down a little.
1: Oh yeah, we'll do that. If I if I sang part of that song uh, right now, my um, the those around me would think that uh, that I'm having a heart attack. So <laughs> uh,
0: at Dr. Neil Tyson, who is near Degrasse Tyson, not the real one, he would like wow. to know: Do mermaids lay eggs or have babies? Uh, half baby, half egg. Oh, that makes sense yeah Yeah, half and half which, yeah. which side is the baby which side is the egg it varies okay uh, friends of the show this is Stephen W. Skinner who has his own podcast called Friends of the Show which I highly recommend uh, doing about the same thing We're talking with Twitter people online getting to know them he says long time listener first time asker who are your favorite Chicago based comedians and what's the funniest stand up show you have attended
1: Uh, that's a good one Uh, like by Chicago based does he mean originally from Chicago or does he mean are still in Chicago like local comics I think
0: he imagines like anybody from the scene in Chicago who's ever been in the scene whether they're famous now or just getting their start
1: it's like three quarters of comedy right Uh, Jesus Um, see my favorite Chicago based comedian there's a lot Uh, maybe just throw out a couple all right, Lauren Lapkus is great. She's from here. Tina Fey, Steve Colbert, um, uh, Chris Farley. Um,
0: wow, you know when you start listening to them, it's it's astounding <laughs> how many are from That's,
1: there. I'm not sure if he realized what he was asking. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody like, uh, was, of
0: recent? I I know Kumail Nanjiani's got a movie coming out. Do you like him?
1: Kumail's fantastic. Yes, I love Kumail. Uh, also a very good political voice on Twitter. Um, yeah, he's great. Uh, God, there's just, there's just so many fucking people. Uh, best Stelling is from Chicago. Mm, She's really yeah.
0: great.
1: I like best a lot. Um, so basically, funny.
0: yeah, all you have to do is, like, throw a paper airplane somewhere in Chicago, and it's going to land on the funniest comedian that you'll ever meet.
1: <laughs> well, until they, you know, have to move for their a career and then go to L.A. or New York. Chicago breeds them but then you know they're shipped elsewhere
0: and he would like to know do you remember a good show that you've seen in Chicago a particularly memorable show
1: I think the the best one was my first one and that was uh, Lewis Black and Mitch Hedberg
0: oh my goodness you saw that Mitch Hedberg is, is he from Chicago no, was he no I don't
1: think so no I don't think so I think he was from the west coast
0: but the, the scene uh, was so thriving and inviting that I imagine he felt comfortable there That's What do you remember about the show?
1: Uh, You know, I just remember just they were both on fire. Uh, You know, it was uh, it was around the time of Bush's first term, so there was a lot for uh, for Lewis to talk about. And you know, by then Mitch was was in his you know in his prime. You know, the last year of his life or so is when I saw him, and he had written you know just about you know every good one-liner you can think of, (laughs) and uh, he would have destroyed Twitter. Oh boy, he was pretty much pre-Twitter just his, these his jokes were pretty much like tweets like just way better but like they were just kind of one lines and so he would have uh, this would have been a perfect format for him but that show was amazing and uh, I was last year I was at Eliza Schlesinger's uh show uh, Netflix um Netflix viewing for her her new show that's on Netflix and or her new special and so I was there for that I was at the taping of it. Cool. That's the word. I just there went we to uh,
0: Todd Barry's taping for his most current special. It's going to come out soon. Although he wouldn't say on what channel it's going to be. But I was there.
1: Oh, he was great. Yeah, I love Todd Barry too. And uh, I've seen Craig Ferguson a couple of times, so those are always my favorites, of course. And uh,
0: Did you see him perform comedy, or did you go to a taping of his show, of, like, his uh, Ca- late-night show?
1: Stand-up. I don't think his show ever went to Chicago. I've never been to L.A., so mm. uh, I've seen his stand-up. He's I've seen his... Than three or four times.
0: God, it's unbelievable how many, what Chicago has done for comedy. Uh, yeah. Okay, this is the last question that I see. I apologize if I missed your question, dear listener. Uh, sometimes when I click on the tweet and look at the replies, it just, for whatever reason, won't show me all the replies. But this last question that I see is from Will at Upside Down Trash. He says, Oh, dear. What's a Metallica?
1: Oh, God. I don't, I don't. I don't know, Will. Um, I, you really, do you really need to grill me like this? I mean, it's Friday.
0: I'm tired. This is so, Will. Yeah, you know, it, it making is... everybody feel bad about themselves. Like they can't. Uh, like your face you is know, in your hands, and this is all Will's fault.
1: I'm very upset. I, I, I don't have the mental capacity for questions like this. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm exhausted. Who does? Uh, yeah, I you know, I don't know the answer to that, Will. Um so please just dunk a hot dog in a glass of milk and just go to bed.
0: Seconded on my part. Please do that, Will, and uh yeah, scurry off into the darkness.
1: Yeah, I don't have I don't have time to answer what a Metallica is. It's just it's too it's too long of a story. <laughs>
0: Have you seen Metallica play live? You have, right? You must have.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like ten times. Yeah! Uh, And I'm seeing them again at Soldier Field next month. For the first time in eight years, so I'm kind of sort of excited.
0: Holy crap. So you've seen them ten times. Do you think that they were better way in the past, like the first times you saw them, or do you think they are getting better and better through time?
1: They've gotten better the last couple of years than they have since they were young, uh... I first started seeing them on the Load Tour 20 years ago, so they were. That's when they were starting to lighten up a little bit and shortening their older songs, and that was kind of annoying. Um, and then James, you know, has taken a long time to keep his voice strong, and the last couple of years he's done an excellent job of that. New albums are amazing, and uh, I think they sound better now than they have since the early 90s. Honestly, since before I could see them, so. It's a a good time to be a Metallica fan.
0: That's awesome. It's so amazing how these uh, bands that have been around for a while just keep doing it and keep making amazing music and delivering spectacular performances. It's like, how are you doing this? You're like 60 now.
1: It's true. Yeah, they're in their early to mid-50s, and they've been doing it 36 years in October, so it's, uh, it's pretty amazing how they can do that. God bless them yeah uh,
0: michael do you have any plans for the weekend coming up any any big plans or are you just gonna hang out with your wife and what, what's up
1: uh let's see tonight we're seeing some movies tomorrow was another friend's birthday so i'm gonna be celebrating that with her uh this time of the year where everybody's been born so uh so <laughs> i'm gonna be doing that and then sunday's mother's day
0: cool you're gonna see your mom yeah,
1: want to see both of the moms. I don't know what we're doing yet, though. My mom is really bad with the phone, so I have yet to hear from her.
0: Okay, you'll figure something out. Uh, just spending time with mom is really all that matters.
1: Yeah, I think we're gonna go to some old-timey Italian restaurant. That's what my wife's, my mother-in-law wants to do. She wants to go to like one of the old, original Italian restaurants downtown. So I think we'll do okay, that.
0: Yeah, one of those Italian restaurants and a diner and a strip mall. Is That's where you're gonna
1: go. Yeah, definitely. I won't go there unless the average age is 114. <laughs>
0: Well, Michael, this has been super fun. I, uh, I hope that you enjoy the movie tonight. I hope you enjoy Mother's Day. And uh, uh, just generally have a good weekend and a good uh, life. I'll see you again. You, we're going to talk. <laughs> you too, man. I hope you enjoy the rest of your days. It's not hard to end a conversation? There's like, uh, how far forward should we go? Like, when is the next time we're going to talk? Could it be? Uh, should I tell him to have a good year? Should I tell him to have a good weekend? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Okay, this has been fun. Let's not, uh, let's not drag it out anymore with my hopeless blabber.
1: Yeah, well, I will see you on the other side of life, probably. I'll
0: see you on the screen.
1: I'll see you in hell.
0: <laughs> see you in hell.
1: <laughs> Bye.
0: Bye, Michael. See ya.